Welcome to the Green Dragon and Entmoot Podcast. This is your host, Jeremy, with <laughs> Kylie. Hello, hello. And also, Harry. Hello. Welcome, welcome, back. Harry. I'm glad we've got to, got together here. Now, this was, I was listening to a recent Entmoot uh, podcast, and I heard, uh, to my surprise, Kylie on that, and I know Kylie very well, and I also heard that, Harry, you were coming on the Green Dragon, so I got very, very excited about that and made sure I was free to have you over, because I know I've, I've been on your podcast a couple times and, and, and done the trip, so it would be nice to have the, the return favor, so I'm, I'm very, very excited about this. Well, it's good. We're crossing the streams. It feels like almost there's no podcast episode flies by without uh, some sort of merging of the two, which is exciting stuff. So I'm, I'm very excited to be back. Yeah, basically, we're all out of ideas now. So we've just got to keep it fresh by just getting people on and driving the content. Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And, and help, helpfully, you guys are always willing for a bit of collaboration. Mm. So what I listened to, Harry, I was I was very intrigued. At the very start of the episode, it was it was just a little taste. It was a teaser. You were making a list for for Kylie, a list for Easterlings. And now I know that Easterlings have a bit of a a reputation going around that they're not very good and they're they're maybe too glimmery and and have not a lot of substance. So you went and made a list for Kylie, and I was very proud because you you decided to make a list that looked okay, but probably was a fair bit of rubbish. So do you want to just recap that for those who, who for some reason, haven't listened to the Entmoot? Yeah, of course. Go back and listen to that Entmoot first. But yeah, so the idea was, uh, as you say, I, I wanted to um, give Kylie a little challenge because Kylie challenged me to set a, do a list, a 750-point list. And I, I have been painting slowly Easterlings over the last year. I've just painted some dragon called Acolytes as well. Uh, so I thought, right, this is what I want Kylie to take to glory in australia so uh, here's the list it was an amder with an armed armed horse an armed horse um nine easterlings with shield four black dragons with pike and shield two dragon cult acolytes then you've got a dragon knight with three black dragon cataphracts black dragon cataphract with a war drum then we've got a war priest uh five black dragons uh with pike and shield three easterlings with pike and shield one dragon cult acolyte making the full blister and this is the spicy bit uh this is a candish king in chariot for 125 points and a charioteer so they're green allies so it's all good all in 33 models eight might and only one bow which is on the king although you can have a bow on the charioteer i believe if you swap out the axe but it's up to you you can do whatever you want with that looks uh, looks like it's got some things that are usable in there there i know that there's been mixed feelings about the dragon called acolytes but honestly three in the list is not going to going to do much either way i don't think we'll see what kylie says about yeah, that you're right. but it's um it's a pretty mm. pretty weak way of putting them in i think you should have gone like 50 of them or something like that and just really <laughs> gone all in uh the chariots chariots do some work now they they're seriously scary to play against so i feel like kylie could probably make use of that uh i think the the dragon knights the the one on horse the heroes i think they're dragon knights um, they're, yeah. they're some of the best characters in the game, I believe. And I actually saw on one of the competitive uh, group chats recently, someone had put nominated them as their their um, least favorite heroes, ones that they think do nothing in game. And I was I was shocked. I was floored. I almost fell off my chair reading that because I I really like those, and I think you can make almost any army around them. So I'm thinking Kylie might have a chance of this army. It's definitely not the best, and no bows is well one bow maybe. Pretty, pretty two bows. Nice. I ended up taking the second bow on the charioteer. 
Okay, okay. So okay, because you, you can swap the axe for a, char- a, a bow. And yeah. I, I, I gave you the choice for that, didn't I, Kylie? But I, my idea was a triple threat, Amda, Dragon Knight, Candish King, and a chariot. Mm. You've got a second chariot as well and some black dragons. So you've got a lot of hitting power, maybe not enough foot troops. But I, mean, I don't know. I, mean, what, I, I vaguely remember you, you being quite excited about, about it, Kylie. I'm excited to try it out and see what I could do with it. And then that excitement turned into elation after I played my kind of the, my first two games and was really, really impressed by what this list could actually pull out of its, mm-hmm. out of its bag of tricks. Okay. Now, Kylie, what were you playing against in the first game? All right, so first game, I was... Probably something uh, rubbish, like ruffians or something. Well, <laughs> a little rubbish. Uh, so, this, so, well. so the first game, I was up against Thorin's company and immediately was hurting for those bows. I really would have liked, you know, just five Easterlings with bow in, bow in this list because we were playing the uh, the tag, the, the, the objective scenario. So being able to have some bows and control the movement and be able to stand outside the bloody slingshot's range would have been very, very useful because that blasted slingshot killed the charioteer on turn one. Oh. <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's a good showing. I, I was thinking, oh, that, that's a nice, nice little introduction to it. Thorin's company, they're usually not too threatening, but that's, uh, that's not particularly nice. Okay, did you, did you shut up shop at that point or how did you, did you have a go uh, around? No. So, Jeremy, do you remember many moons ago... We had a game at uh, Clash of the Titans where you absolutely spanked me and when I was playing Thorin's Company. And you did this like weird strategy of like heavy skirmish where you just didn't come near me. You just kept running away. You kept flirting around the engines. Well, Jeremy, you would have been very proud because I took everything you did to me in that game and applied it to this game. And it was glorious. Mm, yeah, that's my patented beat anyone tactics, but it works especially well on Thorin's company. How yeah. do you do that without bows, though, Kylie? He had the basically two shots: the the slingshot and the uh, and the bow on on Killy, basically, because he didn't he didn't have anything else. So the Killy Killy bow wasn't too threatening because he had to keep moving Killy to reposition every other turn. Because basically, what was happening was my chariots were doing donuts around the center of the table whilst I tagged all the out of four objectives and Thorin's company ran into the middle. Now, as I said, I think uh, the stupid little slingshot dwarf killed my charioteer on like turn one or two, uh, which was quite annoying. But the king kept doing circles and donuts uh, around center objective and around the dwarves. And eventually I I basically played ring around the rosy for about 20 turns until I finally got the combination of priorities where basically I lost priority, was able to move into charge range with all my big scary stuff, and then choose which side of Thorin's company I was going to engage on. Because he was in this loose circle, but the loose circle, once you added in the little awkward bits of terrain, meant that one side was a little bit weaker than the other. They didn't have Thorin, they didn't have... Um, Dwalin and some of the really big hitting strikers. So if I lent my army to the other side and, you know, using that drum, which, by the way, is going to come up a lot in uh, these little chats, I was able to engage one side of Thorin's company, use the Dragon Knight and the King to pick off a couple of the weaker members, and by that point, once they've lost, you know, three or four members of the company, the rest of the company really struggles to start to hit back. So yes, just... that's that's a good way of doing it, Kylie. I, I am proud. You would have loved it too, because Amdur was absolutely 
in, in, inspirational in how he controlled where the rest of Thorin's company was going to go. Because also, uh, Jacob was kind of uh, worried about me getting resets. And rightly so, because the resets on the um, Dragonite, who's probably easily the MVP in that game, killed five members of the Thorin's company by himself, was was absolutely divine. And being able to force them into these into the, the basically the big phalanx block that I had going on just, just won me the game. Sounds really good. Sounds good. Efficient. Was it? I'm guessing it was an objective one. Well, you mentioned objectives. Is it the the one where you flip them over? Yes. Yes. So I got okay. uh, I got all four outer objectives and turned the middle objective neutral. So I think it was like a, a ten or eleven point uh, win to one or something like that because you managed to get a sneaky wound. I can't remember if you broke. Yeah, you broke me. That was it. Yeah, it was an interesting game. That sounds really Very good. Nice. I, I probably got the right match of a scenario there, didn't you, Kylie? Because that's, that's one that the Thorin's company does not like, that one where you have to get all the outside ones, and you've got to, yeah, the, the drum basically will get you those outside ones, so Thorin's company has to engage, and it sounds like you played it really well in that you just didn't let them. You, you made them chase you around, chase you around, and uh, the heavy skirmish works really well because if you don't stop to shoot with bows, you don't slow down. So you're going whatever it is between... Nine and fifteen inches a turn instead of going half that and trying to try to run away. Yeah, it was really really effective, and uh, I'll admit I was a little I was a little pleased with myself that I was able to take something I learned from another player, specifically you, Jeremy, and then apply it in my own games. That was uh, that was quite fun. You need to come up with your own strategies, Kyle. You're just copying me all the time. <laughs> well, it is what it is. <laughs> okay, so that was game. That was game one. How many games was it? Yeah. It was um. Uh, six rounds, six rounds. I was lucky because I wasn't going to be playing around the, uh, day one because uh, I had work stuff that was going to happen. But the shift got cancelled at the last minute uh, because of some some of the political dramas that were going on in the world at the time. Uh, so I ended up getting my whole Saturday back and getting paid for it because the cancellation happened less than 24 hours before the start of the shift. Nice. Very good. Got Ooh, paid to very play. Very nice. Got paid to play effectively. So round two. Mm-hmm. Um, was the against uh, Isengard, specifically the Isengard Siege Legion, in the Divide and Conquer, where you split up your army into two corners. And mm-hmm. I had a plan for this, uh, basically, was drop all the infantry first, and then throw all the cavalry on one side, and then just use the drum, use marches, and run directly at the uh, Siege Ballista, and hope that it misses. So which ballista was this one? This is Isengard ballista, wasn't it? This is Isengard yep. ballista. Uh, no bomb team. Uh, and this 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 game was was the one where I, I got a little bit lucky in that my opponent quite literally shot themselves in the foot. Uh, <laughs> on I think it was turn two. I basically called two marches in the first turn and basically got the chariot uh, the chariot king engaged into combat with um, his big uh, three-attack, three-wound Isengard Uruk leader. And the Siege Ballista shot at my king on chariot, scattered onto the uh, an Easterling behind, but it still had the in the way on the combat, hit the Isengard Siege Captain with three attacks and three wounds in the combat, flung him back six inches into a tree, (laughs) then wounded him, and then the Isengard Siege Captain then rolled the one on the fate. So he ended up killing his own leader with his own siege bow ballista. Oh, amazing. Who gets the points for that? Uh, I still get the points because he's still dead and off the table. The downside was he picked off every other Isengu- uh, uh, every other one of my cataphracts in that warband. So basically, at the end of it, it was just the king kicking around uh, 
basically fighting the crew of the of the uh, siege ballista and you know sitting there at the end of the game going oh well all this uh, warband's dead all the crew's dead um i'm gonna go wander back to the objective now and not make it there before the end of the game well nice awesome. nice nice stuff. Who, yeah. who'd you play then Kylie? that was uh it was one of the new, our newer players will um okay. he 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 had got second with the list uh, the weekend previous in South Australia, having played in another tournament there. So he was, he was riding high, he was pretty experienced with the list, was doing pretty good uh, target priority. Um, but what really, I think, sealed the deal in the game was he overextended a little bit with his other warband, which was predominantly uh, a big block of Urukai with some crossbows. And he stepped forward. And this is where I learnt that Blade Wrath is surprisingly good. I went for a channeled Blade Wrath because I figured, ah, uh, it's towards the end of the game. I have control of the middle objective and my opponents need to be broken. I'll just go for a Horrid Combat and try to kill his last, uh, his last captain. Turns out, being able to wound a Defense 7 Isengard captain on threes with Amdor is really, really good. Ooh, yeah, that's mean. Love it. Yeah, nasty, nasty. And that's, your, that's one of your favorite spells, Kyle. You love that sort of stuff where you can't uh, resist them. You just pop I, up your characters. I did not expect me to enjoy Blade Wrath as much as I did during this tournament. Blade Wrath came in clutch in a number of games um, throughout the tournament, as did the Fury as well, now that I think about it. But the Blade Wrath was just absolutely insane. It did so much work in the games where it needed to do work. Is it better than Core Wins? 100%. I actually <laughs> think... the. I actually love the channeled variety because what you can do with the Blade Wrath is you um, you cannot call the channel early and wait till you get towards your opponent's battle line, then call the channel. And it makes them a bit panicked because they're not sure if you're going to go the channeled Blade Wrath or the channeled Fury, especially if both spells can apply uh, in any given situation. And there's a, there's a couple of times where I basically dropped the, dropped the channel and my opponent's like, uh, I don't know what's going to come here. I don't know what I'm going to get hit by. And that can be very, very helpful. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Mm. That's that's cool. Okay, so so two for two, Kylie, so far. This is pretty two decent. Pretty decent. Much better than I thought with a Harry list. What would you get for game three? <laughs> well, for game... It's got a better game... pilot than Harry list usually has. <laughs> well, Jeremy, I was up against Timmy for game three. And as you might remember from our one of our more recent episodes on Arnor... Timmy was running his uh, Wings of Arnor list, which was three great eagles, Guahir and uh, two friends, and Avadui and Malbeth as his kind of uh, big mainstay, mainstay part of the force. And this, honestly, Jeremy, pushed me to my, my limit pretty hard. Mm, you're just saying that because you want to be nice to Tim, aren't you? Uh, I am, but he did some... Pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, well, not interesting. What am I saying? <laughs> pretty artful moves. There were some pretty fantastic plays that he pulled off. I, I basically knew I had to, I had to buy time uh, against the Eagles, and I was willing to trade one of my big hero pieces, so either the chariot or, um, say, the Dragonite or Amdur. And I was looking at him, going, have to give Tim some something. So bait him out to one side or whatever with preferably Guahir or one of those models with a, a powerful piece. So I thought the chariot might be good enough bait for that. So I, I deployed the king on the far left flank um, uh, and hoped that Tim would go chase down the chariot uh, with one of his uh, big great eagles. And I was lucky. 
Uh, Tim did go chase down the chariot on the far left flank with one of his great eagles. The problem I didn't foresee, Jeremy, was Tim's artful use of barge. So what Tim had done was he charged in with his eagles, then barged models that were towards the center of the kind of main battle line and the center of the table back out towards the side where uh, the Guahir had gone to chase down the king, so that Guahir next turn could, if he killed the king, jump back, charge one of my Eastlings, and then her at combat of that Eastling back into the main part of uh, the battle, which I wasn't expecting Tim to be practical enough to do, and it was a very, very beautiful move. Mm, Unfortunately, that's a good move. Really nice. It, it's, it's a, it was a very good move. It, that really caught me up because it allowed him to do a really absolutely beautiful play that he does later to kill my Dragon Knight. Unfortunately for Tim, though, I had, after having a game where my basically Blade Wrath had won me the game of killing his other remaining two captains against Will, I had decided, you know what? Straight away, turn one, I'm going to go for a burnout. I'm going to go kill eight Warriors of Arnor, and I'm just going to put the pressure on Tim from the first turn. And... Jeremy, that's what I did. I blade wrapped up the Dragonite. I ran in. I called a heroic combat. I killed eight Warriors of Arnold between Amdur um, and the Dragonite. And the next turn, I went into Arvadui. And I put a lot of t- pressure on Tim, specifically because Malbeth couldn't save multiple wounds dealt because of Blade Wrath. Because Breadlash, you know, he's making you either strength 10 or strength 6. Suddenly, you know, those Warriors of Arnold, instead of taking one, maybe two saves, is having to take three or four saves to stay alive. Mm. It's just too much for Malbeth to try and, you know, avoid them for. But, but Jeremy, this is where you would absolutely love what Tim did. Mm. Tim allowed me to get a charge onto Malbeth. Yes, yes, yes. That's my, uh, Dead Malbeth's a good Malbeth. Yeah, he allowed me to charge Malbeth. And I'm like, I need to get rid of this guy because I need to not let the Warrior of Arnor stick around. I went in. He had, Tim had priority. He chose to do the Melbeth combat first. And I'm like, why is he... Oh, that's why he's choosing the Melbeth combat first. He chose the Melbeth combat, allowed my Dragonite to kill Melbeth and the he- Melbeth's friend next to him, and then used the eagle that was sitting near the combat and barged back into my Dragonite with his eagle from the dead Melbeth space that was then freed up because Melbeth was dead, and then killed my Dragonite from full stats. Perfect. Oh wow! Round of applause for that. I I I, I actually I actually stood up and gave a round of applause for Timmy for that one because um, <laughs> and I was I was very impressed because this was the same like coming off the same play where Timmy had run his eagle out with Guahi, killed my king on chariot, and then dropped Guahi back in, and then used the heroic combat that he was then able to do from the barge. So it was a couple of really artful really tactical moves um, on Tim's part to win the game. Unfortunately for Tim, though, my aggression early on in the game was just enough to get me over the line. So when things started to break up in the um, breakthrough scenario, eventually I had just enough models to be able to clinch just enough uh, of VPs to, to snag it back from Tim because I think if we had to go on one more term, Tim may have got that win back off me and it was right down to the wire at the end too, especially with Amdur, you know, uh, whopping a combat against a single Hobbit and then copping a wound from said Hobbit to give up the leader point VPs. Mm. <laughs> it sounds like a great, great um, um, 
sort of sacrifice almost because Malbeth, yeah, he's he's great for being defensive, but you're already wounding the Warriors of Honor what on a six with most of your guys. So once you've taken that Dragon Knight out, you've got way less killing power to get through the Warriors of Arnor, and also crucially, uh, nothing to to be able to really take down the heroes. You haven't got any strikes left. So I I, I love that move from Tim. That sounds really good, even though, even if it didn't pay out pay off in the end. Mm, it. The game kind of can be summed up to Tim tactically played that game better than me. He was doing a lot of little small uh, decisions that were ending up paying much bigger dividends than anything I was doing. However, I think strategically I was playing that game better than Tim, choosing particularly choosing what part of the battlefield I was going to fight in. I fought around this weird rocky outcrop um, that required jump tests and climb tests to get up and down, and that's where the dragon Claw acolytes were absolutely shining. They were yeah. constantly threat. Yeah, they were threatening uh, the eagles because they couldn't, you know, fly up and land up there because the dragon Claw acolytes would just go right. We're just going to jump up here and charge. And Tim constantly had that in the back of his mind of, oh, I can't just land up here for free like I would against normal. Uh, any other armies because the reliability of the dragon called acolytes actually being able to get up there and get the charge through. Um, See, the so haters was, might hate, but the you know yeah. it just shows that there's some value in a plus two to your jump test. <laughs> yeah, I'll get I'll get into the dragon courts in a bit because uh, in day two they came in clutch in a couple of situations. Amazing. Well done, Tim, as well. It sounds like uh, I'm very impressed with the Melbeth baiting, and that's the classic bait move, isn't it, where, where you actually give it up and, and you think you've achieved something, but in the end it was all just a trap. And it takes a pretty big, big bait job to, to get you to, to bite on that, Kylie, so I'm very impressed. It's exactly what you were talking about in the Orano episode about using Melbeth for exactly this, because he's a big enough bait. Um, even though he's actually quite a cheap model, he's a big enough bait f- for people to want to take it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I I can't sing praise, Tim's praises enough in that game. Although he lost, and he seemed pretty pretty bummed out about the loss he had in that game. I think that game was a clear display of just how far Tim has come as a player too, because. I was I was floored with with some of the some of the the kind of the strategies and ideas he was throwing around in that game. Mm. Yeah, Tim's a smart guy. Okay, Kylie, day two, day two, three more games. Let's go. Day two. Oh God, day two. It was only yesterday, and I'm already having trouble remembering. Uh, what board? What board was I playing on? Uh, oh golly, <laughs> was this the Rohan? This was the Rohan game, wasn't it? Yeah, this was the this was no, this was the Fifeton game. Alright, so I was up against Fifetons. Uh specifically uh all all three of the um all four of the named Fifetum heroes and just a butt ton of guys. I'm talking a model count of forty-two, um good spread across all of them. Scenario was uh Fog of War, so the guessing game one where you have to protect a hero and kill an enemy hero. Mm-hmm. Also known uh, as and the best new one. Yeah. Best <laughs> new ones. And pick a objective to grab as well. So from the start of the game, I'm like, okay, who am I going to get kill, get a kill here? Because this this uh, weird Rohan board had a lot of really thin rivers, about two inches wide, one inch wide at some sections, and really awkward uh, big townhouse type things that you could enter in from both sides. So you had a lot of indoor areas that were actually really cool uh, spaces for the acolytes to fight in. So I'm I'm thinking to myself, all right. We got a lot of open space here, a lot of little mini uh, objective and terrain features that we can get into base contact with. All right, I really need to be all about the speed here and try and use these terrain features to limit the Black Rufal archers from getting any really good, decent volleys off. 
So I, I deployed heavily on one side in the hopes that because of the drum uh, and the speed that my army can move at, nine inches a turn, I could basically sweep around the entire table and eventually find, you know, one, where my opponent's objectives were going to be, and two, uh, be able to sweep through one side of the table to the other and grab my objectives. Uh, with the overall goal being, you know what, I'll just pick up a, you know, a 4-3 four, 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 win or something like that, breaking my opponent without being broken. And for the most part, it, it kind of uh, did work out. I figured I'd pick Forlong as the model I was going to kill as a bit of like a, a tricksy, unexpected play because I figured, oh, Forlong's, my opponent might, might go, Forlong's tanky, I need him at the front killing troops. Uh, unfortunately... For me, my opponent went, Forlong's tanky, I'm going to send him directly to the back of the board and not have him interact with the game whatsoever. So I was kind of <laughs> scratching my head a bit of like, okay, I'm never going to kill Forlong. So I basically switched to this full defensive mode of don't let any of my heroes die or get any into any dangerous situations, which is really risky for Eastlands because they desperately need their um, heroes active and being proactive to do stuff in the game. So I threw up a channeled um, Fury and kind of swept around the board. I eventually managed to pick off Angbor, who was in this really awkward position inside a, uh, a uh, building. So he tried to get out and re-link with the back of the army, but because of how my, my opponent's army was moving in this clockwise rotation around the table, he was leaving one or two models... Uh, behind to try and hold me up because they just they couldn't keep moving and keep pace with the rest of of the army whilst I was like running nine inches around the board. So I'm picking off a couple of guys, uh, you know, every couple of turns just because I'm faster than my opponent. And my opponent was occasionally picking off a guy with his black red vowel archers. Eventually, we end up flipping uh, table sides. So I'm in my opponent's deployment zone, my opponent's in his deployment zone, my deployment zone. And eventually my opponent gets to this position where I'm like, all right, I gotta I gotta stop this running forward nonsense and moved all my cavalry in a nice tight formation within three and a half inches of the Black Revile Arches. And basically I said to my opponent, uh, you can run and I'm gonna ride you down next turn, or you can charge me now and I'm just gonna beat you up because you're Black Revile Arches and I'm Black Dragon Knights with an Amdur banner roll your choice. My opponent decided to disengage again, and the turn after, Amdur went in and chopped Dune his head off, off a nasty heroic combat shenanigans and stuff, and I managed to push the chariot riding up to the front and get some good tramples off him too. And that was pretty much the game. Because my opponent had spent so much time disengaging that eventually they just they didn't pick a spot where they wanted to fight. Like that's kind of one of the things we talked about at the end of the game was if you're going to keep retreating and keep disengaging out of these fights, you eventually have to pick a part of the battlefield that you want to fight in because you need to charge and challenge me at some point. You can't just let me keep running around the board willy nilly and and picking off uh, your army and picking off your models. And I I got lucky Uh, towards the end. I managed to get a sneaky kill on um, Forlong when he just overextended a little bit too much and Amdur was able to get in and, uh, hit him back, so in the end I managed to win that game. I think it was 9-zip. Uh, yeah. This sounds really good. I, one, I just want to ask a quick question about the length of the games, because it sounds like there's a lot of time uh, for you to move around lots and all that sort of stuff. How long were these games? Because this is 750 points. There's, there's a lot of stuff to move, I guess. 
Yeah, so the games were uh, two hours um, for playtime and then a 15-minute uh, setup time. Mm-hmm. So about two hours, 15, give or take, uh, depending on how kind of the, the, the you know, the, the people were like, getting back from lunch and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, keep in yeah. mind that just Kylie to... doesn't have to stand and shoot at all, so her turns will be going in, in like a minute. She'll just get bang, 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 mm. bang, and move it all. And that puts the other person under a bit of pressure, so they move pretty fast as well, especially if you're doing avoidance. Like, you have to move back. So I could see them getting 20 turns of avoidance in quite easily. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, in fact, I did get about 20 turns worth of avoidance in, and it was, I'll, I'll admit it, the drum in that game came in clutch. That was... That was the whole game was it was in those drums too, and the Dracula, the Dragon Acolytes came in handy as well. They were able to do this really uh, cool, funky thing that I didn't really, it didn't really twig until actually having the situation be brought up. But they're really good at forcing people to charge you at the wall. So one thing uh, that the table had was a, a lot of long fences. So I was able to run up to the fence uh, with the acolytes, and I usually ran them as a three-man unit and basically hold the wall as a defensive position. And basically say to my opponents, right, you either charge me right now and give me an advantage by fighting on a wall, or you don't charge me, fall into the rest of my line and fight a front-to-back fight, at which point I'm going to throw a weapon you in the back, and if I get priority or a good set of um, priority or heroic move-offs or whatever, I'm then going to jump the wall, charge you in the back, and then trap you against your own troops. So you can do some really, really funky stuff uh, in that regard and actually forcing favorable fights by forcing your opponent to fight you at a defended position. And uh, honestly- you took the one I wanted to do, Kylie. That, that is exactly what I, I think one of the uses is because who cares about the defense if you're behind a wall? So you've got the in-the-ways, you've got that, and you're just constantly peppering those throwing weapons. So a couple of them just, just harassing. And then if you ever have to jump over the wall, it's what, a four plus, isn't it, to get a charge off? Four plus. Yeah, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, and that, once I figured out that strategy, it, like, lit up my mind in, in terms of, like, oh, my God, the moment you get a defensive position around any part of the battlefield, you can just, you can turn this around. Like, one, one like, six-inch wall, and you're set. These guys will right home. I think you probably don't want to be taking whole armies of them because they are, it's a very specialized troop and a very specialized role they can do. But I think, I think the magic number at, like, say, 750 points is about... Five, six, I think would would be the perfect amount. I had three, and I felt like I would have liked just one or two more, just to make sure that when you do have them all against a wall, you're pretty reliable to get at least one over the wall and charging into the back of something important. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, Kylie. Okay, so that's that's four games in, and have you won all your games so far? I have. Stop it. Stop it. Okay? Lose this one. Game five, what happened? All right, game five, (laughs) and I'm going to tell you the matchup, Jeremy. And you're, you're pretty much going to go to me, I know who's going to win this game. Sure. Okay. So I was playing Lords of Battle yep. against Grey Company. Ooh. Aragorn, Harbarad, and I think about 24 Rangers. So Lords of Battle against... So Aragorn's the leader. Do your... Who is your leader? The Kandish King? Uh, my leader is Amdur. Okay. Okay. Oh no. And Lords Lords of Battle is the kill point one yeah, and yeah. has the, the contest of champion special rule. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you got this one, don't you? You got like so much free might for, for Amdur. Oh yes. Oh yes. There was a point in the game where Amdur got six points of might back in a single turn. Oh. 
What? Yeah. Amazing. He charged he charged into uh two rangers, got countercharged and trapped by a third ranger. I then went, I'm at full might point, I'm gonna call a heroic combat. Won the combat, killed all three, used my remaining two points of might to get two wounds on every single one of those rangers. Killed all three rangers, got all my might points back, went into another ranger, used all my uh another two rangers, used all my might points in that combat, killed another two rangers. Six points Amazing. of might in a single turn. It was ludicrous. It was a bit of a weird game at the start too. The drum again was MVP in this game because it allowed me to get so close to my opponent on the first turn. I did make one slight mistake uh, towards the mid game. See, my opponent had painted most, pretty much the entirety of his army in these green, uh, green cloaks and stuff, except for two rangers. They had gray cloaks. And my mind immediately goes to, oh, the different colored cloaks are the are, are the heroes. That was not the case. And there was one point where I saw two rangers in a heroic combat. And Aragorn in the ranger profile, I'm not sure if you, you've realized, but he has a very similar pose to one of the Dunedain poses. <laughs> and I got confused because that Dunedain pose that looks very much like Aragorn is was painted gray. And I'm like, the gray one's Aragorn. That's fine. I'll move my Dragonite here and kill this ranger. And then Aragorn heroic combats into my Dragonite, and I wasn't struck up, and I was like, ah, that's unfortunate. Well, there goes my Dragonite, and uh, luckily for me, I had channeled Fury up that game and managed to pass two out of three Fury saves uh, and survived with the Dragonite and managed to use some funky pushbacks. Double um, six. (laughs) Double six. I had three saves to make, and I passed two of them. I had to use a might point to pass one, but... I got very lucky there. Got a bit of a get out of jail free card. There was a couple of moments like that throughout the game that was a bit bit of a strange strange one. Um, for instance, uh, the Rangers, their entire first volley of shooting, the only volley of shooting they had throughout the entirety of the game, uh, dismounted the Dragonite, and the Dragonite then fell off his horse, rolled a one, and I'm like, I don't need to use the might point for that. This will be fine. It's a six to wound. Rolled the six, wounded myself, and then passed the fury save to not take the wound. It was, it was a bit of a weird game in that regard. It was a bit to and fro for a little while because I wasn't expecting the rangers to hit back as aggressively as I did. But once Amdur got that pentakill and got that that one turn where he had basically six points of might, it was pretty much game over. It just put, propelled me so far ahead, and being able to get my back to my point back every kill, it just was like. Heroic combat here, heroic combat there, and just just absolutely just minced through all of the rangers. Who was piloting the ranger army, Kylie? It was Angus, another newish player. He used to play kind of back in the day uh, up in Queensland um, and Sydney when he used to live that, but he moved back to Melbourne uh, recently, I think past couple of years, um, and is now, yeah, playing uh, Lord of the Rings out east side with um, some of our mates out there. So oh, it was a very... Yeah, it was a very, very interesting game. I think uh, Angus' biggest mistake in this game was he put Aragorn a little bit too far back early on um, because he wanted to get everyone in that heroic move range. So he put him behind the back to have the Elven Cloak effect, not realizing, of course, that I didn't really have much in the way of shooting and he really needed Aragorn into combat. So Aragorn wasn't in combat for one turn when I was in combat with all my guys, and I think that was a big difference in 
swinging the game around because I think if Aragorn had that extra turn of the combat, he might have been able to pull something out and and get in a a good advantageous position to to be able to win the game. Mm. Maybe. This is kind of weird, Kylie, because we've our last couple of episodes have been uh, Rangers and Arnold. I think if I haven't haven't put out the other one before this one, and you're playing them both in the same event. Is that do you think that's coincidence or is that? Uh... I think it's I think it's fate and divine will. It was it was very interesting because I I knew everything that these lists were going to to do to me in these things, and pretty much all of the tips and tricks that we had pointed out in our episodes were being used against me too, which was. Kind of a weird one. I think the other thing, <laughs> uh, now that I'm, I'm remembering too, in our game, I didn't win a roll-off against the uh, the um, Rangers, uh, either for fight value or for the heroic move roll-offs, for, until turn five. But it was the fifth turn roll-off that was like a critical heroic move roll-off that I actually won. And I, I famously said at the end of the game, I, I was happy to trade every failing every other roll-off this game for the one roll-off that arguably mattered the most in that game, and that was to get uh, Amdur out of trouble and get the pentakill that turn as well. So it was a, it was a good turn to, to to finally win it. Let's put it that way. Mm. So was that a win, Kylie? Was that, or did I, um, did I miss yes. that? Only a small minor a win. win. A yes, minor only win. a small yeah. minor win. I only just got enough points over my opponent, so it was just the three points. Uh, I think it was like a 5-0 or something like that, or a 5-1, I can't remember too too well off the top of my head but uh i'm five for zero going into there's there's definitely some dramatic irony here isn't there because you know you you guys have been bigging up like you say arnor and you've been bigging up the uh, (laughs) yeah uh, the the, the rangers the last couple of episodes and everyone's been a downer on the easterlings for the last uh, sort of six months or whatever but um now you're you're showing them you're schooling all these uh, arnor people and all these rangers (laughs) and uh, proving that easterlings are possible to win with Mm. yes Although we do, we did talk up the Easterlings a fair bit in the Easterling episode. We talk up everything and everything. Just wait, uh, ruffians are the next one. Everyone take ruffians. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Matt Matt was a, a little bit unconvinced, wasn't he, uh, about the yeah. Easterlings? But um, he still but, is yeah, unconvinced, I, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't believe they're good. They don't play like he wants them to play. I think is the biggest issue. He wants to do like yeah. this this overpowering like shield wall thing, and and they don't really do that. They they're more like this aggressive hero army, and and I totally understand that criticism. But but when they get aggressive, they really do get aggressive. Mm. So final final round, I didn't actually realize how close the rest of the standing was, and I was up against uh, uh, another uh, friend from out west, uh, Jim. And he was playing a the uh, the Helm's Deep Legendary Legion with the Elves, with Haldir, with Aragorn, and Thaden. And uh, I looked at the list and went, a lot of heroes, a lot of striking heroes, mm. and a funky mechanic to get Aragorn up to fight seven. Mm. This, this, this could be a list that beat me too. And as it turns out, Jim had a higher tie-breaking uh, score than me at the end of the... Tw- uh, going into the final round. So all Jim needed here was a straight W and he would have won the tournament. So round six was actually for all the marbles. Jim was at uh, uh, four wins, one loss. So if you got this last last win against me, you would have knocked me down a second and propelled himself up to first. So there was a lot riding on the line uh, going into this last game. Okay, this is exciting. Mm-mm-mm. It was I very exciting. Is where we'll stop now and say we'll come back in a month's time and tell them? <laughs> uh, not quite, not quite, because I have a, I have a bit of a story for this one. So the scenario was retrieval, which is the as essentially the capture the flag mission. And I'm looking at the table. We're playing on Tim's weather top, so 
think a circle of ruins around the center of the board uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of kind of like foresty trees and stuff around the outsides mm-hmm. and stuff with a clear-ish in the open space in the very center of the table. And I was looking at it and going, all right, I don't want Jim to charge me on the first turn, but I want to threat it. So I deployed a lot of my infantry in the, in the center with Amdur, uh, threatening to go straight into the center of the table and just take up space and you really get close towards the... Um, the objective uh, on his side of the table. And I deployed my chariots and drum with the cataphracts on my far right flank. Now, I win priority first turn, but Jim decides to call a heroic move with Aragorn for free to really run forward and jump into uh, all of this nice open space in the center of the table and really force me to either... uh, to probably disengage and stuff because I had decided to call the drum. So I couldn't charge him that turn. Mm, yeah, I yeah. Thought, and couldn't, um, couldn't perhaps. Couldn't perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Can't the champions um, charge? They can, but I was kind of boxed out, one by my own troops, and the terrain was just too awkward for me to get the chariots into where I needed okay, them to okay. be. So the chariots weren't going to get a charge. So I was umming and ahhing about it for about a, for about a minute, and then I decided to do probably the, one of the riskiest mirrors I think I've done in a game for a long time, and you need to understand as well, I was super excited for this game as well because uh, Jim had been really proving himself throughout the tournament as a really competent player and he had a really cool looking army. So I disengaged out of the middle. I gave him basically six inches, probably more actually, close, probably close to the seven or eight inches worth of table space, which effectively allowed him to get closer to my objective and then swung all my cavalry and the chariots from the right flank all the way around to my left flank. And by doing so, what had happened was Jim had basically kind of stepped forward just a little bit too far. And Amdur and my Dragonite and a couple of my Cataphracts were now in range to charge a portion of his left-hand flank without his heroes being able to counter-engage. So I had basically a one-turn grace of being able to charge all the Rohirrim without fearing a countercharge. And all the elves, by the way, were at the back guarding his objective and guarding his right flank to my chariots running up the side. So I effectively had taken my chariots out of the game for a little while, but I'd taken his elves out of the game as well by doing this massive refused flank. And this is where the story gets really interesting. Because in the next turn, after I charged in and got those, you know, that 5-6 kill league, uh, lead, Aragorn rocks up and goes straight into my Dragonite. He goes in with Hal- goes in with Halith as well, and I'm looking at this going, oh, crap. He managed to do this really funky move with uh, his Royal Guard and box out Amdur from heroic combat, being able to go in. He used every single model that he had available to him to basically box out the combat. And I had nothing. I had n- nothing left. I had called a channel in hopes of being able to... Uh, maybe get a heroic combat up with Amdur and just cut cut dudes down on threes to wound and then get in. But that option was basically robbed to me. So I went for my next best option, which was a, def- a, a soft defensive play. So I threw up Channeled Fury. I threw two uh, two of my knights in behind Amdur and the Dragonite to get the uh, Gleaming Horde special rule. And this this was probably the decision that won me the game. Because for the next three turns... Amdur and the Dragon Knight managed to tank Aragorn straight front to back 
and not clop a single wound between uh, between the two of them, simply because I kept pushing back and retreating into my Gleaming Horde special and getting that crucial defense seven so that Aragorn with his strength four needed sixes to wound, and Jim just couldn't quite get the, the wounds in and, and actually get any hits to land on the Dragon Knight or Amador. In fact, the one time he did, I managed to Fury save it as well, so he was really, really struggling. But what I found really interesting about the game was that the the pikemen that I had, because the phalanx special allows you to back away two models instead of just the normal one, you can really clog up an area. So I was running all of these pikemen into into really almost reckless positions, knowing that I could back away two models instead of only backing away wrong one and clog up this massive gap that eventually actually managed to turn the tide on the basic Rohirrim and allow me to get in, in behind, basically crack a hole in the center of his line and form a wedge, pushing into the center of Weathertop and get in behind Aragorn and Halleth. And that's where the game truly turned around because I did probably one of the sneakiest moves I've ever done. I charged all the pikes that had broken through, charged Halleth in the back, and then put Amdur into Aragorn and then didn't call a strike, knowing that I had priority that turn. And Jim didn't click this through. He's like, I'm fight seven. I don't need a strike. I don't want to strike anyway, because if I strike, Amdur gets a free strike. And then I kind of played my ultimate trap card on Jim at that moment and went, right, Halleth combat first, and Halleth had decided to heroic defense that turn, but I wasn't too mm-hmm. fucked, because I had seven guys in the combat throwing 14 dice to, to, to wound Halleth, <laughs> and I only needed to get, crucially, two wounds through because I'd already chipped the wound off Halleth earlier and managed to just throw a bucket load of dice to get through the defense, kill Halleth, remove the fight value buff across basically his entire army. Importantly, got rid of the fight value buff on Aragorn, which in the end was what allowed Amdur to not only win the roll-off on the Elven Blade... Roll before on the um on the Elven Blade roll off, and then proceed to cut down Aragorn in a single swish of his sword, which from that point onwards turned the game completely around. Ooh, that's cool! Amazing. It's not often you can cheer the death of a, a teenager, but you know I'm I'm pretty happy <laughs> with that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> not often, not <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> only occasionally. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's one of those classic moves where you think that this buff is like invincible it's it, getting to fight seven is really really good but we often forget the downside is that it it does rely on that that one model that's not particularly hard to kill so i think i think you played that very well defense is so swingy isn't it so so you could try heroic defense mm-hmm. and sometimes it just wins the day for you and other times it might as well not have even been done so uh, i think you're lucky there kylie that it all worked out for you and you, it sounds like you got some some classic kylie last turn of the tournament rolls but uh, it, um yeah well, well done. That's... I, I will admit i did a little bit uh i had to really really think about my moves particularly uh using the uh gleaming horde special rule i was able to proc that special rule probably i think 90 percent of the time on my cavalry which crucially also blocked a heroic combat from haldir to get back in to help bail aragorn out of trouble and also particularly save the dra- the dragon ice life on at least two or three occasions from enemy heroes the thing that I probably didn't do the best in this game was uh, properly box out and prevent Thane and Gambling getting to my objective 
because they did between the two of them manage to cut down the last remnants of my kind of reserve force to try and hold against my opponent's aggression on the objective because as i mentioned at the start i did retreat a good six six to eight inches back from the center line which gave jim so much uh pressure on my objective i was really flirting with death in the in the respect that i was so close to uh, my own objective where i was defending that if gambling and then had cut down enough of the eastlings they could get to my objective and grab it which jim did do he did manage to pick it up but uh towards the mid game i decided to go for it with the um Kandish king and just two turns worth of marching straight at the uh objective at the back of the board and and did a, a patented kylie move jeremy i dismounted <laughs> off my chariot to pick up the objective so Yay. i managed to uh lock it out at the last turn and even use my army bonus the ability to re-roll to see if the game ends to force the game to end when I knew I was up one VP. So Jim was really pulling, making me pull out every single little trick I had at my disposal to be able to win that game. Kylie, how good is it, dismounting off a big centerpiece model in a game? It's so fun, isn't it? It, it, it throws <laughs> your opponent off a lot. So specifically, specifically when they think that they, I can't get to the objective because the objective was in a forest. So he thought... She can't reach it. She's half. She's quarter speed to get through. And I kind of went dismount, get that extra inch, two inches forward, pick up the objective, <laughs> one inch back. I now I'm holding it. So it was it was a, a lot of fun to be able to basically pull out all the tricks. And this this was probably one of the funnest games I've I've played in a really long while. It actually reminded me a lot of the um, Masters game I played at Articon in uh, what is it 2019 now. So it was it was that kind of caliber level play um, in terms of you know what we were throwing at each other and yeah it was it was a phenomenal game. I have a question, Kylie. So um, if if you know you mentioned that the the game ended exactly when you wanted it to, if it had gone on another turn, do you think it would have been a different result? Um, it was. It's hard to say. It it comes down to whether or not Jim could break me. Because he did manage to get a, uh, a point for wounding my leader. But I had broken Jim without being broken. So it was, it was really awkward because we both had each other's objective. And we were running in the same direction each year, as each other. So if the game had kept going on, eventually Thaden and the Kandish King would have had to fight each other to get the objective off the board. Mm. So there was some weird stuff that was going to happen in the extreme late game, but specifically in the earlier game, like the mid game where Jim really needed to get the kills. The fact that Aragorn went down and he lost his fight for on the Rohirrim, I think was a really, really big deal because it was Aragorn that was keeping him in the fight. It was effectively locking down my two big damage threats in Amdur and the Dragoner. And once he had lost, um aragorn and the ability to to kind of pin those two big characters down jim didn't really have much else to really kill models on my side especially because of how conservative i was then being like i called a march towards the end of the game knowing full well that i wouldn't be able to charge jim but was able to use that massive redeploy with the nine inch move uh sorry i called the drum um massive nine inch redeploy specifically the pikes and would be able to get in pike supports and spots too and gleaming horde again came in clutch there 
keeping um, Amdur and the Dragonite and the other Cataphracts alive too. I only lost one Cataphract through that whole game, which uh, is kind of uh, kind of saying something, since they did get trapped and surrounded by Elves and Haldir and Aragorn. The only reason I ask this, uh, Kylie, because I, th- I think you might have been playing the Easterling Army bonus slightly wrong, um, because uh, did you say that you, you ended the game early with the re-roll from the Easterling Army bonus? Because I believe it's only you can extend the game, not end it earlier. But I may be slightly wrong on that, but uh, it, it might. So that might have changed things ever slightly because you can only re-roll if the game has ended and you want it to carry on, not the other way around. Oh, it is too. I did get that wrong. Well, I hope I hope that didn't scupper anything. But um, well, but it does. It does it, sound like you had a interesting position anyway. Yes, uh, it's interesting though that you did say that because we had time called. Basically, I went for the reroll and ended the game, mm-hmm. and me and Jim shook hands, and then Jacob came over and said, "Last turn." So we're kind of oh, like, okay. so it would have been. We, we yeah, had that awkward close. moment of looking at each other, going, "Well, good thing the game ended." <laughs> uh, well i i'm sure it wouldn't have made much difference but yeah it, it's, Jim, it's actually what well, yeah. i'd never come across it before i only really noticed it myself um not so long ago when i was uh, i was having a peruse and I'm like, oh, it only does it only I works bet, one way but i guess that yeah. fits with the theme but yeah i suppose that's a lesson for for everyone listening kind of out there is mm. don't listen to the peanut gallery because i i basically <laughs> had someone else with the rule books sitting next to the table who wasn't playing in the tournament looking up the rules for us as we go so we could keep the pace of the game going and he was the one that said mm-hmm. yeah you get, you get to re-roll it so i'm like all right i'll re-roll it no oh, i like it yeah blame it on someone else yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> the point i try to make is maybe go and check the rules for yourself next time and see it with your own eyes rather <laughs> than trusting the word of the peanut gallery but um <laughs> yeah jim did need six models to break me going into that maybe of last turn that we could have extra had um and he there wasn't a lot left for Jim to be able to pull that back with, mm. especially since Gambling and Thaden weren't in charge range that turn because they had the objective and were, and were legging it, and specifically because I had killed Haldir in that previous turn with Amdur, so there wasn't much left in terms of damage threat to deal with the rest of the It would have taken a really big turn because Aragorn's gone as well, so there, mm. there's mostly exactly. killing power. It's, it's killing six Easterlings in the last turn or the last couple turns even is is a challenging prospect because yeah. they can they can tank up with the best of them because if Kylie knows that, that six is going to die then they've all put up their shields they've got the um the the gleaming glittering whatever it is the hordes where, wherever they can you can't get that all the time but that does help occasionally especially on those key heroes so so well done Kylie I assume you got the win now because you got six out of six and you were playing top yeah. table last round so Easterlings yeah. as as we always knew. T- Winning a tournament, that's all good. Uh, we expect that always. But Harry, firstly, I would like to congratulate you because I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time on an Entmoot that your army <laughs> has won the event. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is, this is the bit that I would, I've, I've been fearing for many years uh, since I started the podcast is I'd have to interview myself at the end of the tournament. So I'm glad that you've included me in this podcast because then you're kind of interviewing me. <laughs> but I mean, it, it does it does sound like the list the list has worked. I mean, it's not sort of failed miserably in, in any way. And and obviously, I must be doing something right with the, the, the list planning, but obviously it all collapses in on itself when I start rolling dice and moving <laughs> models. I think, uh, kind of like reflecting on the tournament, I think the only mistake you really truly made was adding in that second basic Bob Chariot. Because he got picked off, like, out of the six games I played, he got picked off in five of them. So I think 
we'd be much better uh, served with an extra two uh, cataphracts kicking around with the Eastlings. I think that would have uh, been a much better investment than a, a low-carrier that would have been picked off by some random archer. But the question is, question is, would that charioteer, uh, did it survive longer than those two cataphracts would have had facing the same fire? I don't know. It, it, it's a, it, it, I, I guess you're, you're right, though. If it didn't get to do any uh, big uh, big amounts of damage, then I guess that's not worth keeping in there. But uh, interesting, though. Interesting. I, I do like the charioteer, though. It just looks cool. I don't mind it, actually, it as well. Cool. Like, I know, Kylie, you, you say that, that that could be a way to optimize it. It, it might be. But it's just one more thing for your opponent to think about, and it's it's yeah, it's, like thirty it's, points. It's the is potential, not a huge amount. yeah, and, mm. and and it's got the potential to go um, for one turn, just go on an absolute rampage. And I know it's not optimal. I know you prefer it to have the hero or even the couple couple knights, but the, your opponent doesn't necessarily think that way. They look at it and they go, "I must kill this guy," and it can sometimes put the resources off other things that they should be killing. Like maybe they should have been trying to shoot a dragonite off a horse or amdur off a horse that's exactly what i was just gonna say yeah because if you've got a charity it's only 30 points so yeah it's actually less than two uh two black dragon cataphracts so that's that's pretty good and if it does maybe get that uh, hit off even once you're going to be taking out more than 30 points worth of stuff with a with a couple of impact hits and a, and a combat. So, yeah, it might not do that most games by the sounds of it, but I'm li- I like the chance that occasionally it'll just go into, I don't know, a, ro- a couple of Rohan uh, riders or something like that, and, you know, that, that would pay for itself in uh, straight away. So uh, y- y- it has potential, and it is a scary thing, and it's easier to kill than the other things. So maybe that's why people have been targeting it. All very, very good points. Mm. Excellent. I'm really excited about this, Kylie. I love that you've made the yeah. Eastlings work, and I love that that Harry made you take those um, the new acolytes, and you found some really cool uses for them as well. Because I looked at that profile, and I was actually a little bit surprised that people were down on it. Because I looked at that straight mm-hmm. away, and maybe I'm just got a real bias towards throwing weapons. But I looked at that and said, "Fight for throwing weapons. I don't care about the rest of the profile. I want these guys, and I want them <laughs> in my Eastling army list. And the rest of it is is decent. It's got some some good stats. The defense is not great, but the the uh, the jumping around is a, a pretty cool move. And having multiple attacks is fantastic. Yeah, there was actually one really interesting point in the game where I actually managed to jump over some barrels against the uh, Ranger army and pin Aragorn <laughs> uh, and prevented him from... That was what stopped his heroic move, was the getting the 4-plus on the jump test, jumping over the barrels, getting into Aragorn and pinning him in place, which was kind of a quirky little thing that happened during the game. So... Yeah, I, I really rate these. I look forward to playing them a bit more. Uh, I'm so annoyed that mine didn't arrive uh, since we recorded that episode, uh, Harry, because I did. Re- uh, I, I ordered oh. them. I ordered them. Literally, the moment we finished that episode, I ordered them. So it was five weeks ago, and they still haven't arrived. In fact, I got an email from Forge World uh, yeah. on Friday night, right before the tournament, saying that the order had been picked packed and was now in the post on its way to australia and i'm like well i think kidding we, me uh, i'm having the same issue i was i i'd got some for jeremy uh, among uh, with a couple of other things that um but they they went out of stock briefly and uh it's caused the whole order to be delayed which i'm actually posting out today by the way but um you know uh, so maybe that's cool. partially the reason they might have been out of stock for a bit longer Yes, I think at this point now we've got to totally defend them. Uh, that's our obligation. So 
What is it? Was Harry <laughs> COVID and Brexit? That's the reasons, or is it more that I've forgotten? Yeah, we'll, we'll blame we'll blame that. I don't know what the reasons are, but it, either way, they were incredibly popular for something that everyone seemed to hate. <laughs> the the acolyte. So there you go. I think uh, people tend to be very vocal about this stuff, but I, sometimes that tends to make a lot of people more interested in it because it would have been a blink and you miss it type release. But because it had so much controversy, I think that probably generated some interest. So I, I'm the the uh, the. One side of me is thinking, yeah, maybe that's intentional. You create something a little bit interesting, and then if it generates discussion, you get more sales. So possibly, yeah, maybe. maybe. No such thing as bad publicity, I suppose. No, not at all. Otherwise, we'd be gone a long time ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. There is one thing that I did notice uh, coming out of the end of the tournament. that This was a tournament that didn't have a lot of magic kicking around. Uh, in terms of the actual casters that were in the tournament, there was one Witch King and one Sauron. That was it. They were the only Magic casters in the entire tournament. So mm. I think there was an R one as well. Sorry, I lie. There was three Magic casters. So the fact that I dodged those three models, I think, was also pretty pretty important too because I'm interested to see how the list uh, and the army goes up against uh, someone with uh, some Magic tools at their disposal. Mm. That's a good point. Mm. I think you'd still. I think you'd be all right. But but anyway, I think I think you got enough flexibility in that army list. So you can deal with a lot of things. I do think, Kylie, when you mm. do get a loss of it, it's going to be a big loss because if it falls apart, I think it's going to really fall apart. But I, I, it's it's a kind of army that's got so many threats and, and such damage potential that if it gets on a roll, it really does get on a roll. Yeah. And, and you took out big guys, like you took out some Aragorns and some some Fiefdom heroes and some other things and and a thousand rangers and all kinds of fun stuff. Hmm. One thing I think is is true though that you did predict correctly, Harry. Was if you lose one of the big threats, you're still okay. You lose two of them, you start things start to get dicey. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It's good. Well done, well done to both of you. I, I'm I'm very impressed mm. and very very happy about that. That's that's some good entertainment. I hope. So let's uh, do take I get a break. do I get half of the trophy sent in the post? Oh, that's what I, happens. Or I think you get <laughs> all the trophies. <laughs> I'll send it over, Kylie. A, yeah, I'll definitely send over the certificate to you. We. <laughs> It'll think, be a first. I think so. I think I think you've got to take some credit for that, Harry, because it, it's not a list that Kylie would have come up with herself. Like you, you oh, might no. have, you might have spitballed at Kylie, but it would have been like a, a hey, I've got this idea, and we would have probably laughed at it and then moved on. So I'm I'm kind of happy <laughs> that, that you you actually went and committed to it, and it was even better than the Stormcaller list. Very much so. In, in fact, this list single-handedly has renewed my faith in the rest of the army list challenges for <laughs> the year. Because I have Sharky's Rogues coming up, Aragorn and Armin with only tin cans. Uh, I'm about to do a collab, hopefully with um, North of the Shire, uh, depending on how uh, we can schedule up things as well. So... I'm very much looking forward to playing the next few tournaments with some wacky, crazy lists that the communities have come up with. Awesome. Okay, well, let's, let's take a quick break.
and we are back, listeners. So just to finish off this little update on Kylie's challenge, uh, we've got the next tournament coming up, Kylie, or next event. What is that one? Still Marilly. Uh, it's a long, Ooh. kind of long-standing tournament in Melbourne that is more about theme, fluffiness, and yeah, more or less just having a good time with friends rather than the competitive nature of the tournament. But that doesn't stop me. I'm still going to be competitive, hopefully, at this <laughs> Oh, we'll see if I can stop that, Kylie, because you've asked me <laughs> to make the next list, haven't you? I have. Bad move. Bad move. <laughs> Are you going to be as nice as me, Jeremy? I, uh, well, I don't know that you were intending to be that nice, and it just turned out that way, Harry. <laughs> I just think you're accidentally nice. <laughs> After making Kylie the storm call list by accident, and then it getting voted on the forums to to uh, to be the one that she took to, to one of the events, I thought I'd actually go something that was playable. Not not world-beating, but but quite playable. So Kylie uh, gave me a restriction. What was it, 600 points, Kylie? Uh, I think 650 points. 650? I think it was 650. I'm think, pretty sure it's 600. Well, it's 600, whatever. Whatever it was, we have to check it up. We, we made it a while ago, and it is within the points, I hope, because Tim will check that up. Um, I think it's 600, Kylie. Um, maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe I've got to go give all our... Um, Elf players, some extra points. Who knows? So we've got, uh, you're taking a theme. Silmarilli, it's in the set in the fourth age. So you've been tasked with uh, Aragorn and Arwen army. So they've moved Arwen into the, the Minas Tirith list. Is that right? That is correct. Yep. So it's been moved around. Uh, limit of one hero per faction. We play in teams. So you've been, you're the only Aragorn and the only Arwen in the whole event, which is a bit sad for all of us elf players because I'm on the elf team here. So... I've gone for a pretty straightforward army, Kylie. I've gone for Aragorn, King Elsa on Armoured Horse. So you've got some hitting power there. You've got the banner effect. You've got Aragorn. There's no way he's going to die to elves at any point. So he's all good. He's got two Warriors of Minas Tirith with shield, four Warriors of Minas Tirith with shield and spear. So having gone for the optimized everyone with spear, only four of them out of those six. And then three Warriors of Minas Tirith with bow and not shield. So you can't do some shield wall tricks here. You've got to actually use them as honesty bows. And also three Knights of Minas Tirith with shield. So I like these guys. Knights of Minas Tirith hit really hard. Yeah, that's a nice warband. I mean, obviously you wouldn't usually go with the Warriors of Minas Tirith with bows, but yeah, I like like that. I really like them. I think they're they're nice models. I think it's really cool to have that that grey wall, the the silver that that the Minas Tirith is, and and all the movie scenes you have those ones. It's it's funny. You, you play the game. It's always Rangers of the Back Rank or uh, Guard of the Fountain Court. So it's nice to have just the basic warriors. So keeping Agreed. that theme going, uh, the warband number two is a captain of Minas Tirith with shield. So classic defense captain, couple marches and then uh, stand in the way of something or just just be annoying. Uh, then we've got a similar construction here with two warriors in Minas Tirith with shield, four with shield and spear, and then three with bow. So uh, another nine warriors there, almost the the plastic set, but but I'm going going nice and symmetrical here. And then warband number three, this is the the part that's got a little bit of interest and something for Kylie to play around with. We've got uh, Arwen, and Arwen's got the uh, got what did I, it was Asphaloth that I've given her, but I've tasked Kylie with renaming. So what did you rename the horse as, Kylie? Uh, I think it was uh, Nifredel, mm. which I can't remember off the top of my head what it, what it means, but it basically means like a, a white flower from, from memory. I asked David to do an entomology on it for me, and he's yet to get back to me. <laughs> Entomology. Okay. Yeah. So it's um. So we. Is it entomology? The... Is that uh, <laughs> the, 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 these three behind it's... names? 
one one of the I think etymology is words. Etymology, etymology is is insects or something, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, we'll call it entomology <laughs> in honor of you uh, being on today, Harry. But we'll definitely acknowledge <laughs> that it is. In... Right, let's go with it. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> so we've done the classic rename your pets thing to keep it in theme. So it's uh, what was it, Kylie? We're doing the last episode, Asphaloth One and Asphaloth Two. So you've gone for Asphaloth Three, which is all good. Then we've got uh, a guard of the fountain court with banner and shield. So classic banner of shield. And then uh, five guards of the fountain court with shield. So I put the banner on the guard of the fountain court. And I've also tasked you with the idea of making these Arwen's guards. So you can do something mm-hmm. to them uh, to make them unique and make them Arwen's guard. I don't mind. I'm looking forward to see what you come up with. But it's not like they're... There's a huge amount of them, but I think there's enough. You've got that sneaky fight four on a stick that you can just put behind things and, and bump them up. You've got a banner that, that will help out in addition to Aragorn. So Aragorn can go off on missions with the, the cavalry if he wants. Arwen's got some nice moves. I think this army is playable. What do you think, Kylie? I think it's very playable. Actually, I was in, I was expecting more of a sabotage from you, Jeremy, here. I, no. I honestly thought that those fountain court guard were going to be citadel guard. I didn't think I was going to be getting fountain court, but I was pleasantly surprised to see I got some defense seven. But I am very, very happy that you gave me a captain of Minas Tirith to lock in with the rest of the shield wall. Yeah, no, I thought I thought I'd be nice in that way. And look, none of it's a world beater. Like the captain of Minas Tirith, no one's like cheering when they get one in their list. But I think I think he does the job, or she, whatever, whatever you want to do with that. And I think I made a choice for the fountain court. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they are the ones that have the banner option, not the Citadel Guard. Is that right? That's right, yeah. That is correct. That's why I chose them, because I really wanted Arwen to have her own banner. And I thought, because she, she's a bit of a banner maker. That, that's, that's what she does in the, in the story. So I thought, give her the banner and her warband. That warband can survive on its own. It's got the, the six guard of the fountain court and Arwen. If something charges them, Arwen can knock them down and they can run away. So there's, um, there's some survivability there, and if they end up getting caught on their own, you can play with them. But I just thought I really wanted a banner for Arwen and to give you that opportunity to, to put something together there. So I've gone for it. It's, it's competitive, but I also think it's nicely themed as well. I don't mind the theme for it. So have you played any games of it, Kylie? As it happens against you, Jeremy. Mm, that was and I got, <laughs> I got my tail kicked in. I got walloped. <laughs> yes. I got absolutely taken to school. One of the things I absolutely love about having Jeremy as a regular opponent is once every so often, maybe once in a blue moon, whatever you want to call it, Jeremy decides, right, Kylie, you've gotten too high on your high horse. I'm going to bring you back down to earth and teach you something that you've never been taught before. And this was one of those games. What did you use, Jeremy? So I had my Silmarilli list. So I've gone for my, my one named hero is Thranduil uh, on Elk. So I've gone, I've gone full kit Thranduil. So I've got the heavy armor, the Elk, the crown, and the extra sword. I'm like, if I'm going to buy him, I'm going to buy him every toy I possibly can. So the idea is that he stayed around, didn't go off on a ship for the fourth age, and, and is hanging around being a, I don't know, stealing wine off men or something like that, like just being annoying. And he had a palace guard captain with a, a shield uh, about... 10 palace guards with spear shield and a banner so they are um yeah about that about that a big war band of palace I think it might have been a bit more yeah no i don't think it is because i'm actually um secretly putting them together now oh that's right yeah <laughs> and i had in addition to that six uh of the mirkwood owls with bows the armored ones i had two sentinels and i had six uh mirkwood cavalry with shield so a nice bit of an all-round list a uh, bit lower numbers like 26 or so but 
um, hits really, really hard. And I think I threw Kylie off because I, I did... Normally when I play elves, I dance around the back a little bit and just wait, wait, wait. And I set up like I was going to do that, didn't I, Kylie? So you set up sort of in the you middle. Did. And I set up on like this skirting edge. We were playing that uh, one where there was four objectives in a diamond and you have to go and uh, be, be near the objective at the end of the game. So I, I set up like I was going to bait Kylie right off the objectives, but instead I ran straight towards her with the, the Palace Guard and Thranduil. And because of Thranduil's army bonus rule, where it gives them all one plus the wound, and because of the high fight value, I think first turn Kylie, I might have killed five or six Minas Tirith warriors at the first turn of combat, second or third turn of I the game. I think it was, yeah, I think it was five. Yep. And I only got like one, no, it was two back in retaliation. And I was like, oh, Mm, you certainly Yes. So I had I had I, I basically went quite aggressive. I had my cavalry skirmishing around the back and also my sentinels around the back and some of the archers and a few few guys. But my main force was going straight ahead. They had the terror bubble up. Thranduil resisted one of Arwen's spells and then I think you failed the second one. So I managed to keep my elk, which I didn't expect I would. So that was all good. And I kept pushing forward. So Aragorn took this long road with a couple cavalry around the back and uh, try to, to get... To... Kyle, were you trying to get towards my cavalry and my sentinels? Was that the plan? Yeah, the plan was to hit you kind of in a double envelopment. So get my cav and Aragorn into your back rear line and basically sandwich you between the two forces. Hopefully using Aragorn and his, you know, fight six with pointy sword of doom to really quickly cut up the kind of loose uh, hanging around cavalry models and sentinels and stuff you had around the back. The problem I ran into um, unsuspectingly was I had to use a bit too much might to get there and, and actually cut through them all. So by the time I got into the back line, I wasn't quite in position where I wanted to be. Mm. And I, I knew you would come that way because I, I sent up a just not enough guys to, to defend against Aragorn, and I had some tasty sentinels in the back and some cavalry and, and lots of good stuff there. So I, I needed Aragorn to come around the back, and we're both trying for the same tactic. So you wanted to sneak Aragorn behind yeah. the back, and I it wanted was... you to sneak Aragorn behind the back. <laughs> it was it was so weird because we both had the same strategy for this game, which was use our captains to tank the other captain. Uh, use our big heroes to apply pressure, trying to break through around the back. But where it kind of differed was I was trying to get in around the back and Jeremy was trying to collapse back on Aragorn. And I was like thinking in my head, oh, that's fine. I'll I'll let Thrandall collapse back onto me and I'll just heroic defense up, shield the turn, and then basically trap the entire elf army between my Minas Tirith force and Aragorn. So I'll have Aragorn in the middle. So kind of like... Surround the surrounding army surrounding my general. That was my thought. That was what I had in my head of what I was oh, going to do. Oh, Kylie, too complicated. <laughs> and then Jeremy decided, now bugger that. I'm just going to kill you straight through heroic defense. And <laughs> collapsed back on Aragorn, went straight through, cut him down straight through the defense. And I was like, statistically, you weren't supposed to do that. And that's when I remembered you can't rely that too heavily on statistics. Yeah, Kylie. In fairness, I think it was pretty likely as well. As I, my, I was shocked when you defended. I, I expected to have a strike off. I was, I was fully ready for that, and I thought maybe it would take me two turns or so. But I basically got my whole army, everyone that could fit in base combat with Aragorn and Thranduil all together. So they're all, they're all tightly packed. They're all v- getting very excited. I thought I was going to be able to use the one plus the wound, but you called the defense, which was meant that I just had to roll a straight six. But Almost every die was fainting. 
So I had lots and lots mm. of re-rolls ready to go on the ones. And Kylie knows how much I, I can roll ones. Like I, I'm pretty reliable at the ones. And so I won the fight because I had a f- higher fight value. I threw something like 26 dice at Kylie trying to chase yeah, some that, sixes. That, that <laughs> was the thing that I think really caught me off. I wasn't expecting you to get up into the high 20s. When I was looking at how many models I imagined you'd be able to get into Aragorn, I'm like, okay, he'll get Thrandall and maybe three guys with spear support. So he's probably only going to be throwing around 18 dice. No, no, no. Whatever. No. So I threw- That'll be fine. And, but yeah, way more than that. And I ended up doing seven wounds, so you didn't even get to take fate. No, Ooh, I that's did brutal. Not. Yeah, it was very brutal. It was a big, big real. Well, not even a real lesson. It was a big lesson to learn because one of the things that Jeremy also did really, really interesting in that game was the way he set up his uh, shield wall with his elves and the way he was using uh, these little pockets of terrain to make my engages on him really 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 awkward so i was trying to have to find another angle of attack and try and to to set up and get around and try and get a few pinches and get a few traps in there but one of the really clever things that jeremy had done at all as in like the next step beyond that was he set up arches to pick off the guys who tried to get around and flank and that that absolutely screwed me over yep <laughs> Just- just out of interest, Jeremy, how, how many models are in your army? Because I think the uh, Ministerial one doing some maths is is 30 uh, for 600 points. So how, how many did you have? Because I can imagine you've got probably pretty close or if not about the same models. 26. 26. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. They're much better, aren't they? <laughs> All those elves are just so much oh, better. And true, but Aragorn down. can cut through with the sword. Oh, yeah, well. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But mm. if he's been sort of um put out of action at the back and and squeeze yeah. it in a in a way then i guess i guess the rest of the elves were doing the doing the deed yeah. killing all the warriors when when we had a chat about the game afterwards we basically both came to the same conclusion that the difference maker in the army is arwen it's can arwen get a good wrath off and tip mm. the tide which ended up not happening arwen's uh first wrath got resisted and the second one flopped on double one so <sighs> it was a bit rough a bit rough to, to to not get the second one off because i think that would have done some pretty massive damage but in the end jeremy just played as as per usual played his troops so much better than i did um in that game and set himself up for success by doing so because i thought i was being really clever in the way i was <laughs> like positioning my shieldmen to prevent um like thrandall getting a good heroic combat and getting like more than two kills in a turn and jeremy was like next leveling me again going no you can do other funky stuff with your troops and you can you can position them in this way to make charges really awkward and stuff so i was really really impressed by what jeremy showed me in that game so to explain that harry a a little bit uh, uh there was lots of like barriers and things around. And if you don't mm. get in contact with a barrier, it becomes very difficult to jump it. So what I like to do is set my guys up like half a base width away from the barrier and angle them so that Kylie has trouble fitting. So I've got say two models. So she might only be able to fit three into those two instead of the four or mm. into one, maybe one instead of two. So if you move it around that way, it can get really frustrating, especially if you're trying to fit a shield wall in because there's always lots of guys that are just standing there. And whenever the guys are just standing there, I made sure I had a couple archers just picking them off of the side, threatening them. So they either had to go and hide behind their troops and, and not make any ground whatsoever, or had to come and face me. And I had two waves. I had the archers ready to shoot them as they came around the corner. And then I had my cavalry ready to charge them in the next turn. 
So it was a big risk for Kylie to break formation. But if she didn't break formation, she wasn't going to get through me either. So it was a bit of a uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't, which mm. forced Aragorn to come at me probably a little bit too aggressively because I think mm. ideally Aragorn would have come in without Thranduil being able to counter charge. And I did the classic dismount off the big centerpiece model, Kylie, which I, I foreshadowed at the start of the episode and then managed to get the mm. charge off and, and had a ball. Like a, I was a little bit shocked how quickly I killed Aragorn, but I fully mm. expected to be able to do it in two turns, Kylie. And I think you... With the terror up and with the positioning, I think I would have been able to hold out my my rear against your swarming Minas Tirith guys. It was down to like 15 at that point. And what it meant was I took out your big threat. So that gave me time to break you when I needed to break you so I could get all the objectives as well. Mm. In essence, I was constantly chasing my tail for pretty much all that game. I was always a turn behind, which is why I was playing so risk-averse to get that turn back. And that's why I had Aragorn run around the back to try and buy that extra turn for me. But again, it didn't pan out. One of the other couple of little things too was like, uh, I had thrown two knights into a random elf, uh, two of my knight cavalry into one of his Jeremy's mounted cavalry, figuring I'll trap him against the board edge or trap him. I think it was, yeah, it was trap him, trap this elf against the board edge win the combat eventually, and then get the kill, because I'd get the lance bonus off one of them, because Jeremy couldn't charge both simultaneously. And then Jeremy mm. just goes, six, six, kill one, take it off. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there kind of going, what? What? Because uh, those two extra bases, having those extra two models, being able to come back in and be around Aragorn when he went in for that dive at the back, would have would have changed things so much because it would have peeled at minimum two guys off Aragorn and their spear support. So that's eight strikes Jeremy wouldn't wouldn't have been getting against Aragorn, which who knows, maybe it might have been the difference uh going into that kind of those last couple of turns. Yeah, I, I know that you expected to win that, but I've I've played cavalry enough, Kai, that, that even two cavalry versus one, if you're down on fight value, it's really no guarantee to get through. And that was my throwaway. Like I wanted to bait you towards that model. And and stop you and I I think I did a good job with that one. That was a um I, I it, it was a lucky move. Like I definitely took the roll to six after six tactic off you, but I think that was almost irrelevant <laughs> for the grand scheme of things. It was I always do that, Kylie. Every game I play, I have a couple pieces that are just for a diversion, and that was my diversion piece. And it just happened that that diversion piece won out this game. Usually they don't. Usually they die. Mm. But that one that one did really well. I lost a lot of the other cavalry as well, but it's um it was a really fun game and, and it definitely um. I'm impressed with the Merkwood Elves. I'm really keen to do that. I've got to mm. check through our catalogue and see if we've talked about Merkwood Elves before because I've got a lot of lot to talk about. Yeah, they're, they're I fantastic. I don't think you have. I don't think you have. Ooh. That's it's probably going to be next on the next on the list, Jeremy, because I've 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 thrown down my uh, Thranduil and uh, Thranduil's halls list recently as well at a couple of meetups. So I think I think we're about due to maybe do a hobby list. Mm, quite quite Exciting. quite possibly quite possibly. I might get um. I've got Fasil. I'm lending out. A second half of my Thranduil's Halls, the Tauriel-led part, um, to to a relatively new player who's actually played a long time, but but not consistently. So it may be a, might get some guests on Kylie as well. That could be good fun. Okay, um, so that that's that's that one, Kylie. That's the next part of your challenge. This is a really cool challenge. I'm kind of kind of enjoying this. And look, I think this list, Kylie. I know that that. I beat it in a practice game, but I actually would back you to to win. I don't know seven out of your six games or something with it because I think it's <laughs> I think it's that good a list, and I think uh, well, it, unless you come up against me, I think you're you're going to have not much trouble with Aragorn and Arwen against uh, in a tournament where you can't take many named heroes. 
I think you're going to have find a lot of very positive matchups. Yes, uh, I hope so. I managed to, uh, just for, for the listeners at home, just for a bit of context on the tournament, this tournament is team-based. So there's four factions. There's the men, there's the everything else that's good, so elves and dwarves. Uh, and then there's the Fallen Realms of, of Evil and the last of, like, the Orcs, Uruks, and uh, Goblins in terms of, like, the Amulets and stuff. And you named characters can only appear once mm. across the entire team. So I was very lucky uh, to be able to uh, grab Aragorn pretty much from the onset from basically the rest of my team. And uh, picking up Owen <laughs> later was uh, the cherry on top, if you will. That's, that's well, it sounds cool. great. Mm. Okay, Harry. Before we before we head off and close off this episode, oh you, yeah, can you give us a very quick preview of what you're working on for for Endmoot? Oh, uh, yes, I can. I'll give you a preview. And um, the the next episode is probably well. There's actually a couple of episodes that I don't know which one's going to come first. So I'll give you a tease for both. And mm. um, the first one will be a review of the Entmoot tournament, which also happened in Australia, which is awesome. So I've been talking to the organiser of that and will be chatting to the winner at some point in the coming days. So that'll probably be the next episode. And then coming up after that, I've got an exciting one where games have actually happened in person, um, or will have, and we're playing Quest of the Ringbearer Part 2. We're getting all the way to Karadras, uh, having played through some uh, some scenarios uh after being allowed to roll some dice again, once again in the UK. So two big episodes coming up in the coming weeks. It's very, very exciting. That's what I'm looking forward to. I can't wait to hear it <laughs> finally go to become uh, the scenario-focused podcast it's always been destined to. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, Harry. I know that, that we talked a lot, and I know that Kylie especially was, was wound up at it, but I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you he- enjoyed hearing about how your list went and I hope you play it as well. Now that you've designed it, I think you've got to give it a go and see if you can get the same success. I absolutely do. And and it is definitely a list that I want to do. I have, I have to check. I've got the exact um, sort of mix of, of things, but I've wanted for ages to play uh, an Easterling list with, um, with a chariots as well. So uh, it's just a matter of when the tournament uh, comes, that is exactly that points limit, but I'll definitely do something uh, in the realms of uh, Easterlings very, very soon. It's, uh, it's, it's a really exciting prospect. And it was great to hear Kylie uh, extolling the virtues of an army that gets a bit of a bad rep and, so six, six for six, you know, just shows Easterlings are playable and winnable with. Absolutely, absolutely. Any last words, Kylie? As always, Jeremy, traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. The Green Dragon Podcast discusses tabletop wargaming using the Middle Earth strategy battle game rules for Games Workshop. We have no affiliation with Games Workshop, Warner Brothers, New Line, Tolkien Enterprise, or anyone else involved in Tolkien's universe, we're on our own. Thank you to our patrons for your support. You can become a patron at www.patreon.com slash thegreendragonpodcast. You can contact us via our Facebook page at The Green Dragon Podcast, or on our email, thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Not so sure about that plural. This podcast is for entertainment, so please take it that way. Farewell, listener. The road goes ever on and on.